Hello everyone, welcome to Langstaff Assembly Podcast. My name is Yanaili Joyce and I'm your host for this episode. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you and that it draws you near to God. First Kings chapter 12 verses 25 through 23 through 33. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there And he went out from there and built Penuel. Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Jeroboam, even to Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king consulted and made two golden cups. And he said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. He set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people who went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And he made houses on high places and made priests from among all the people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month, like the feast which is in Judah. And he went up to the altar, thus he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves which he had made, and he stationed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. Then he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day in the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the sons of Israel and went up to the altar to burn incense. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we are grateful to you for the time that you've given us together. Speak, Lord, in the stillness while we wait on you hushed our hearts to listen in expectancy. Father, we pray that you would help us to be present in our minds, to be open in our understanding, and to be willing in our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a man who is walking down the field from Jerusalem. The way he is dressed makes it evident that he is a man who is in authority. In fact, he is the one who is the supervisor of King Solomon's construction projects, building projects. And as he's walking down the field, another old man draws up by his side, hurries up by his side. And that old man is wearing a new robe. And he tells this young supervisor, he stops him. And then this old man takes off his new robes and he tears it into 12 pieces. And this young man is looking at what he's doing. And then this old man tells him, he's a prophet of the Lord. And Ahijah tells Jeroboam that God is going to rend, he's going to tear Israel. And he's going to give 10 pieces to you, and then the remaining two will remain with 
Solomon's family. And hearing this, Jeroboam might have been very pleased. He has started enjoying power, being in charge of a few things, and now he wants some more. And there we there starts the story of Jeroboam. Today morning we could look at a bit of a, a character study or a sketch of Jeroboam and what happened in Israel at that time. Jeroboam is, comes kind of like the turning point where the, the kingdom of Israel is being divided into Judah and into the northern kingdom of Israel. And Jeroboam is going to be made the first king. Chapter 11 verse 40 says that Solomon sought therefore to put Jeroboam to death. The question comes up, how did Solomon know that Jeroboam uh, is going to be made king? Probably he said, said the FBI to follow all the prophets in, in Israel that time because he had received a warning from the Lord saying that the kingdom would be divided and his, his son would only get uh, a teeny weeny little portion and, and the ten, ten tribes would go away. So he probably might have done that, which seems unlikely, but so most probably what might have happened was Jeroboam might have been quite happy. He must have, he, he carried the ten uh, rags or ten pieces of the, the robe, and then people might have asked him, hey, Jeroboam, sorry, uh, Jeroboam, what, what are you carrying? What, what is this that you're holding, these, these rags? He said, oh, you know what? God is going to make me the king. And he might have started a rebellion. And for that matter, he might have been kicked out and he ran for his life to Egypt. And he was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. And after Solomon dies, he comes back. So he's already started becoming a, a rebel, a, a leader. And then he, he gets his own followers. <clears throat> and Solomon decided, was trying to kill him so badly. In fact, history was repeating itself. King Saul was doing the same to Solomon's father, uh, David, he was, Solomon, uh, Saul, King Saul was trying to make sure that his throne was intact and he was hunting down David. And now Solomon is doing the same to Jeroboam. <clears throat> when a man is insecure, he, he will try to retain his throne in every possible way. You find it in, in so many different ways. We are all in a, in a process of kingdom building, whether we know it or not. Everyone, for that matter, believers, unbelievers, uh, whatever religion that people follow, Hinduism or Buddhism or atheism, that's also religion, by the way. Uh, you have to believe that there is no God. That's also belief. And the atheists are hoping and praying that they're right. Uh, but everyone, has a, everyone is, in, is busy building a kingdom. The question is, whose kingdom are we building? There are, in general, there's only, there are only two kingdoms. One is the kingdom of God, the other is the kingdom. That matters. So if you're not on one side, you're on the other side. There's no middle ground, whether you like it or not. So here, we see a kingdom building process going on, where people who are coming to power are trying so hard to retain their authority. People often forget who it is that puts them in authority? Who is it that gives them blessings? 
or who it, it is that has kept them at a particular place for a particular purpose. They, they forget so fast because in general, men are very forgetful creatures. Here, over and over again, we see the same thing. In fact, the Old Testament can be summarized in two words, rebellion and redemption. Rebellion, redemption. So, man is rebelling and God is gracious enough to redeem. And again, they're going away. <clears throat> and Solomon forgets that God has decided something. You cannot thwart the plan of God. Whatever you might think you can do. Man might think that they can, but they cannot. The foolishness of man sometimes takes over. And Solomon believes this and he, uh, he, he starts trying to uh, prevent the throne from escaping his reach or his, his family. In the New Testament, we see a similar kind of uh, situation where the Pharisees and Sadducees were feeling threatened that their throne would be lost because Jesus has come on the scene and, he's, he, and he seems to be uh, coming in the... He seems to be in the spotlight and they don't like it. It's generally insecure men who want to be on the throne, right? If someone is secure, they, they are not desperate for the throne. They know the fact that it is God who has kept, kept them where they are. And just keep in mind that a few chapters back, in chapter 8 and 9, we see Solomon in the peak of his, his life. He's praying great prayers and he's making all kinds of statements. But after a few chapters, he goes downhill. And Rehoboam finally becomes, sorry, uh, Jeroboam finally becomes the, the king over ten tribes of Israel. And Solomon's son, Rehoboam, he gets just two tribes. In fact, Benjamin is somehow stuck to, stuck to Judah. They cannot escape. They have to be part of, uh, part of Judah. So there's no choice for them. So, uh, Jeroboam starts his rule. And, <clears throat> Was that's the portion that we read today morning, where how Jeroboam starts his rule in uh, in Israel? He built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim. He's from Ephraim, and he he builds his headquarters there. And Shechem is of great significance in biblical history. It is here that Abraham pitched his tent and built his first altar in the promised land. And it is here that Abraham received the first promise in Shechem. And in Shechem, Jacob removed the idols of his followers. And in Shechem, he dug a well, which is so famous in the New Testament. The, the Samaritan woman tells Jesus about Jacob's well. It is in Shechem. And to Shechem, Joshua gathered all Israel before God and delivered to them his second parting uh, address. And here, Joshua tells the children of Israel and makes a covenant with them and puts a stone there as a witness, lest you deny your God. It is at this Shechem that Jeroboam is, bu is building his headquarters, his kingdom. And then he goes, he goes, if you look at the map, he crosses the Jordan to the, to the east side, to Penuel. So Shechem and Penuel are great, uh, 
places of trade. So it's very significant in the, in, in, as far as the region is concerned. And he, at Penuel, he builds another city over there. And Penuel, again, is significant. Penuel literally means the face of God. It is here that Jacob wrestled with the angel. It's here that uh, uh, he says, I have seen God face to face. And it's called as Penuel. <clears throat> After he takes over the charge of Israel, Jeroboam says in his heart, now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. I need to do something. Very quickly, he forgot the fact that it was a prophet who had told him that he's going to be the king. It is God who had made him king over the ten tribes. He quickly forgot it. Now he wants to establish his throne. If we try to establish thrones for ourselves, that actually just reveals our insecurity and we'll be desperate all of our lives trying to build build and to make sure that our our kingdom is very secure. We'll be very insecure all the time. We're always afraid that someone is going to take my place. And there are different ways in which we might try to do that. In reality, when we try to build our kingdoms, as far as a believer is concerned, we try to impress people to... Uh, so that we can get more followers for our kingdom. If a kingdom doesn't have any, any subjects, what's the point in having a kingdom? So we, we want to get more followers for our kingdom. So how do we do that? There are different ways in which we can do that. And, and as far as man is concerned, everyone knows how to do that by default. Because we are born as sinners. And, and there is a part of us that really knows how to manipulate. From a little child onwards, we know how to build our kingdom. We can, sometimes I ask myself uh, a question after I pray or after I preach. I ask myself, how much of that prayer did I pray to God? And how much of it was to impress others? How much of it was to build a kingdom for myself? How much was it for God? And oftentimes, I have to confess that. I have to ask God for forgiveness. Whose kingdom are we building here? God made him king and he wants to do things his own way. He was he was thinking I'm just going to use God. Now 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 it's 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 all mine. The kingdom is mine. A little girl was scared to go up to her bedroom and sleep. She was scared to climb up in the dark of the stairs. So she told her mom, "Can you come up with me?" Mom said, "I'm a little busy." Why don't you pray to Jesus to come with you as you climb the stairs? So the, the little girl prayed, Lord, Lord Jesus, please be with me as I climb the stairs. I'm scared. And then she climbed, reached, uh, reached out, she went upstairs, reached her bedroom and turned on the light and then said, okay, thank you, Jesus. Now you may leave. Because now the thing, I have got what I wanted. Now you can leave. Now I know how to manage things. Jeroboam thinks I can manage things my own way. So he consults his cabinet ministers and they give him some advice. <clears throat> and he tries to follow those, that advice. If we forget our calling, then we will try to do this kind of thing. We will start all worldly, worldly ways trying to establish our kingdoms, trying to climb the ladder. <clears throat> 
There's always this temptation. That's why Jesus said in, in the prayer that he tells, he teaches the, his, his disciples, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So what is the temptation there? Lead us not into temptation. Because temptation is to say, for mine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. <clears throat> you know, heaven is a place where people will say, Lord, your will be done. And hell is a place where God will tell the people there, your will be done. You didn't want me. <clears throat> you didn't want my loving presence. So now you'll have to be there where, where your will is done. If anyone sitting here, those who have not come to know, know Christ, if you're still, still trying to make sense of who God is, and why don't you consider and, and think about who this great God is. There is a reason for existence. There is a purpose for living. It is not just to build small kingdoms here. Not just Jeroboam, but everyone, every human being, are sinner. they are all sinners. But if you, if you have doubts, you can, you can still come to God. God will still listen to you. It is, it is better to be a doubter than, than a skeptic. A doubter hopes that he's wrong. A skeptic hopes that he's right. So if you're, if you're a doubter, still you can come to God. Because God loves you. He loves you so much that he doesn't want you to live in sin. He wants to reconcile you before his holy presence. And if you, and that is why he himself took the punishment for our sins. Jesus Christ came down to this earth. He lived a sinless life and he died on the cross. He shed his blood for our sins. And he rose again on the third day, defeating death. And if you believe in him, he has promised that he is faithful, that he will forgive and save you from your sins. So if the goodness of God is leading you to repentance, consider Christ. Consider what your life is and why you are here on this earth. Jeroboam decides, based on the advice that he gets, some counterfeits. The first counterfeit that he of his is the counterfeit God, or gods for that matter. He says that he makes two golden calves. He's scared because the people will go to Jerusalem and worship. Worship is what unites believers together. Even today, right? Worship is what unites believers. And Jeroboam knows that. And he wants people to worship the wrong person. So he sets up counterfeit gods. Two calves. So he took a leaf out of Aaron's book. And he made these golden calves. And he said, it is too... He says here, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. He is advising the people. He's comforting the people. Hey, it is too hard for you. There, there are these false comforters that come in. They might be real. They might be imaginary in the head. All kinds of false comforters that prevent us from true worship. It's good to identify them. Sometimes it might be, friend, it's okay not to read your Bible or pray for a few weeks. You know, you're, you're a little busy. You have, you have a lot of work to do. You have mortgage to pay. So it's okay. God understands it. 
or it's okay to uh, skip fellowship for a few Sundays. God understands it. <clears throat> you need a break. After all, it's summer, and before winter sets, you need to take a break. So it's okay to skip a few months of fellowship. Or sometimes, brother, it's okay to continue in your sin. We are all human. There are different kinds of false comfort and false comforters that come by. And Jeroboam is promoting a a counterfeit message here. Believers need to understand counterfeit messages that come by so easily today. Because what our itching ears want to hear, we will hear. He establishes or he installs one of the golden calf in Bethel. See the irony of it. In Bethel, the house of God, he installs a golden calf. It is in gold, near Bethel that Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. In Bethel, Jacob had visions of angels, the vision of ladders in Bethel. And here, Jeroboam decides to install the idol. And later, prophet Hosea calls it as Beth-Aven, or house of idols, because of what started because of Jeroboam. In, in India, the Hindus worship two goddesses, very famous goddesses, and I don't want to uh, utter their names in my mouth. But those two goddesses are the, the goddess, goddesses, goddess of uh, wealth and the goddess of, any guess? Knowledge. Two goddesses that the Hindus worship. <clears throat> so that when they start the business, they would they pray to this goddess of wealth that they might prosper in their business that day or when they start a business. And when the uh, the child is going to start the school year, they they have the all those rituals, the pujas, for, to, to the goddess of, of knowledge that the kid might be very knowledgeable. For that matter, uh, these two goddesses are there around the world, right? People are worshipping, not just the Hindus, even believers sometimes worship the, the goddesses of of wealth, the goddesses of knowledge or education. That becomes the focal point. Good to keep that in mind. And he tells the, Jeroboam tells about these two calves that, Behold Israel, here is, behold your gods that brought you from the land of Egypt, a false gospel. These are your, the gods which brought you out of, out of Egypt. What gives meaning and purpose to life? Is it, is it God or is it, are idols bringing meaning to life? Who saved us? Was it Jesus Christ who saved us or after some time do our actions point to something else that has saved us? Are we striving hard? our own might as of it is by our abilities we are saved. What idols have crept in in our lives? Or is it still Jesus who is on the throne? Jeroboam has this counterfeit worship places also. Counterfeit temple. He, in verse 31, he made, houses on high, he made houses on high places and made priests from among all the people. So, not just counterfeit place of worship, 
but also counterfeit priests he installs. He, he has his own spokesmen or spokespersons. In the Brethren Assemblies, if anything else, we have got one thing right, and that is that the, the, the offices in a church, the, how, a, how a church operates, it's very biblical, I find, compared to many churches that uh, I have been part of. It, it, it is by God's grace that it is so, and nothing to be taken uh, for granted or, or to be arrogant about. But we should recognize these false priests, false forms of, of worship or false styles of doing things. There might be different ways in which people express worship. I'm not talking about that. But false kinds of uh, ways in which people try to do things. And you shall know the tree by its fruit. You shall know that those kinds of false prophets, false worship by the fruit that it brings out. And then he installs a false a feast also, a counterfeit feast. There was a Feast of Tabernacles. Now he is starting his own feast on his own day that he has devised. He wants to start it. Why, 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 why all these counterfeits? Why do we have counterfeits for that matter? There might be, a, I don't know, in Canada whether you have counterfeits or whether everything is original, the, the currency that. But in general, you would have a counterfeit only when the valuable, the thing is very valuable. The real thing is very valuable. That's when you have a counterfeit. No one has a counterfeit over 25 uh, what, uh, pence or what, what, what do you call it? I, I know, now it's all digital, so I'm not used to <laughs> how, how things work here. Uh, but no one, no, one, no one makes a counterfeit of that. But someone would make a counterfeit of a $50 bill because it's expensive. The real thing is expensive. That is why we have so many counterfeits. And same thing is there in Christianity. Why, why do we have so many fake things? Because the real thing is very expensive. The real... Uh, experiences the real God, the real way in which God works is very valuable. And it, it may not be so easy to come by sometimes. When our, when our hearts are turned to Him, he, he, he gives those in our lives. And there are these counterfeits out there. But just because we see counterfeits, that doesn't mean that we have to reject everything. Thinking that, okay, so this is fake, so everything is fake. No, maybe because there is fake because the real thing is there. And those who have seen, heard, experienced these things would be able to understand that. And we should ask the Lord for discernment, especially in these times to understand, to differentiate between the, the real and the fake. <clears throat> he starts... A feast, and then he goes up to the altar to burn incense. Who is Jeroboam? Is he a high priest? No. Is he from the tribe of Levi? No. And he is going up on the fake feast to the fake place and climbing up a fake altar and offering a fake incense. Everything about him is fake, except the fact that he's, God has established him as king. Everything else is fake about him. Satan specializes in these kinds of counterfeits. 
He, he, he loves to do this. When God has established something, He has established a parallel system. In fact, if you look at it, that way the only thing organized about Satan is his organized kingdom that he has. Jesus, from what Jesus said, we can understand that his kingdom is not divided. Because Satan's kingdom is not divided either because it's the principalities and powers. And Jesus sa- says that if Satan be divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? So which means that he has got an organized system. Where did he get it from? He has seen it in heaven. We don't know how many of the angels exactly fell, but probably one third of them fell. And they joined him and his, his system, the fake system that runs parallel to the system that God has set up. There's the, God, the real gospel, the true gospel, and there's the false gospel. In, and, and Revelation is full of analogies of the, the true and the fake. We see the Jer- Jerusalem representing the true church, and we see Babylon representing the false church. We see God's prophets, and we see the false prophets there. All these parallels we see there, where Satan is specializing in counterfeits. <clears throat> Why did he do all this, Jeroboam? All this, these counterfeits had an ultimate plan. His plan was to get worship. Let's ask ourselves, are there ways in which we will counterfeit to get worship? In which we can get honor from men, from people. That's what he did here. And he got what he wanted. You know, it's, it's true that you actually get what you want ultimately. If you, if you, what you seek, you will find. It's a principle not just for believers, but for unbelievers also. If you seek, you will find. What do you seek, you will find. Jeroboam sought something, he got it. But sad to say, the will of God for his life was gone. Who can ruin the will of, will of God for, for their lives? How can, how can, can Satan ruin God's will? No. The only person who can ruin the will, God's will for their lives are they themselves. You choose whether you want to go a particular way or not. God gives choices to us, each one of us. He gave a choice from the first king onwards. King Saul, his, his family should have ruled forever. He lost it. David's family, David at least walked as far as worship was concerned. He, he did not leave God. That's what God says. Solomon went away and his kingdom is gone. And Jeroboam, God tells him that your, your, your family should have Continued. Your lineage should have continued there. But it's going to end. It's going to go. Why? Because you made the wrong decision. Our, where we are right now is because of the millions of little choices that we take in our lives. Whether we realize it or not. I mean, the small things from waking up in the morning. Whether to wake up uh, in the morning or to sleep for another two more hours. or uh, From the smallest of choices. Where we are right now. It's because of all these choices. It is not. God is willing that none should perish on one side. And as far as believers are concerned, God is willing and God wants to work in us. But whether we yield or not is, is up to us. Hey, thank you so much for listening. What a privilege it was to share God's word with you today. We pray that you were fed, strengthened, and more equipped to run the race with perseverance. To listen to more podcasts like this, make sure to subscribe. 
For more content from Langstaff and to connect with us, go to langstaffassembly.com. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next time.